Thank you guys for coming. As you know, we're in the midst of our Exodus series, and as we're kind of moving through Exodus and moving uh, forward in the, in the timeline, what we want to do is take a little bit of time when, when we hear of God's activity amongst the people, amongst his people, we want to hear that story. We want to know what that story looks like, not only in Scripture, but in our lives today. Because when we see it in Scripture, it's a reflection of, of our own lives today. But it, when we hear it in, amongst our family, amongst our friends, it becomes even more real for us. And so what we want to do is just kind of take a moment and look at some stories of God amongst our people at Gateway. And we're just calling it Gateway God Stories. These are stories that God is moving in the lives of Gateway. And so today, can you guys give it up for James Myrick, who's going to come and tell this story of him and his family? Come on, people. Give it up for So on um, August 3rd, we fly out for Africa, and uh, we'll spend um, um, not quite a year there. We'll return in the middle of July the following year. Um, But that wasn't my plan. I didn't have a plan to go back to Africa. Uh, We've been there, and um, we had come home, and I thought, okay, God, that's fine. We'll settle in here, and that's where we'll be. And then my wife started... um, talking about Africa again, and uh, talking about where does God want us to be serving. And um, I was pretty happy where I was at. I teach school independence. I was at a school I liked. Um, I was thinking retirement's not terribly far away for a teacher, uh, and I'm just going to stay here and ride out to retirement, but that's not God's plan. And I, I realized while she was talking about it, hold it, I think God's moving here, and the last thing I want to do is be in his way. If God's moving, I better jump on board because I don't want to be in the way. And if if I jump on board and we don't go, that's okay. But if I don't jump on board and we're supposed to have gone, I don't want to be the person who's in the way of going. And so we begin to move forward on it. We, We wrote to the school. Um, and I thought, hey, no problem, we'll write to the school, and they'll say, no, we're full for next year, we don't need anybody, but they didn't. They wrote back and said, oh, that's great, we could use you. Okay, so we'll move forward on that. We had raised support uh, several times in the past. We had absolutely no idea how we would go about raising support again. But we said, okay, God, if you're calling, then then that's your job. It's your job to supply the support. Because we don't know where we'll raise 40-some thousand dollars to spend a year in Africa. But we'll do it. We'll move forward. And so we started that process. And, and we, we uh, begin to line things up and, and begin to start that support raising process. And, and begin to get excited about going. And each time we've gone in the past, the independent school district has given me a leave of absence. And so I thought, no problem, I need to go talk to the school district and get a leave of absence so that when I come back, I'll have a job. And so I went to talk to the personnel department, and uh, our director of personnel was really excited. That's great. We're really looking forward to you going. Here's how you fill out the form. And, oh, by the way, when you get the form all filled out, the superintendent's never signed one. He'll say no. Hold it. Hold it, God. If I had known that, I don't know if I would have started this process. I've worked for independent school district for 25 years. I don't want to back up and look for a job. I haven't looked for a job forever. 
Okay, but God, if you're calling, then I guess we have to move forward. But wow, I don't know what we're going to do about this. This is hard. But we went ahead and started into the support raising process anyway. And, and it set us back a day or two of, hold it, what are you doing, God? And we're like, okay, God, if you're doing this, then we have to move forward. We can't stop because of fear. And so we went ahead and moved forward. We got um, a good part of our support raised, not quite all of it, but almost all of our support raised. And one morning I was at school and I got an email from the Department of Personnel and they said, oh, we've sent you a letter, you need to sign the letter and send it back to us today. So open up the letter, they filled out my leave of absence for me. It wasn't quite time for me to turn it in. I had decided I'd wait until the last minute. I'd turn it in at the last minute and see if God was going to do something. They filled it out for me. I sign it, send it back, and that night the school board meets and signs it. God granted us the leave of absence when we did not think we would get one, when we had been told no. And that's just God's provision for us in, in supplying our needs. And so, uh, wow, we're going to Africa again. Okay, we'll be there a year. Uh, right now I'm going to be teaching fifth grade. Um, it's a scary process. Uh, we finish up the school year. Yesterday we finished up a yard sale uh, just to raise a little bit more support uh, that will actually apply to our daughter who's living in Germany uh, right now, and so that support will go to her. Uh, and uh, we're in the process of getting the house ready to rent. By the way, if you need, know anybody that needs a house for exactly one year, we've got one for rent So, because we're going to be moving out of it. Um, I, I can't help but think about... Uh, a line out of the lion, witch in the wardrobe. When the Pavinci children are, are with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and they find out that Aslan's coming, they don't know who Aslan is, and then they find out that Aslan is a lion. And one of the children says to uh, the beavers, is he safe? And the beaver laughs and said, safe? No, he's not safe. He's a lion but he's good. And that's who God is. Is it safe to go to Africa? Probably not. Are we worried about it? No, we've been before. We're not terribly concerned. But it's God, and he's good. I was uh, in life group with the Myricks when that story of provision happened for them with the superintendent and the school board. And it was a wonderful thing to see trust and to say, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know what's ahead of us. We don't know what's next for us. But we know that God has said to do this. And so we're going to go. And then provision comes. And today in Exodus, in in the story we're looking at, the Israelites have left Egypt. They were enslaved for 430 years. There's 2.4 million of them. They are released from slavery, released from bondage, because God showed up and made known who he was to the Egyptian people. And Pharaoh finally said, get out of here. And so the Israelites pick up and leave. That night, they were gone. And Pharaoh quickly realizes that he's made a mistake 
and he chases after them. And last week, Zach kind of walked through part of that story where he chased after them and the Israelites came to the Red Sea and they were pinned and they didn't know what to do, but God made a way. His presence showed up in the form of a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire, and he made a way by parting the Red Sea and giving the Israelites a way out of Egypt and saving them. And then on the other side, they worshiped. They worshiped. For the first time since they left Egypt, they took a moment to say, how amazing our God is. And that's where we're picking up our story today. So the Israelites are six weeks out of crossing the Red Sea, two and a half months or 10 weeks out of Egypt. They're barely gone. They've only been gone for two and a half months. And then we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Exodus chapter 16. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. So in Exodus chapter 16, verse 1, it says this, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Ten weeks out of Egypt. Six weeks since they crossed the Red Sea and the presence of God showed up before them. And they're hangry. They're mad and angry at the same time. I've got a three-year-old. When she gets hungry, it's not pleasant, right? Some of us men get that way too, right? They're mad and angry. We would have have rather died in Egypt, enslaved, but we were sitting next to a pot full of meat and bread. We would have had full bellies. We would have died there, Moses. We would have preferred that than to be out here in the wilderness hungry, And not knowing what's next. They're mad. And the Israelites are so clueless as to what's going on. For 430 years, for generation after generation after generation, they lived in slavery where their masters, the people who were in charge, told them what to do and how to live. They had no freedom at all. They didn't get to make any choices on their own. They didn't know anything different for generations. And now they're free. And they're having to learn how to trust God, and they can't. They don't know what it looks like to live in the presence of God. They don't know what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Moses, we're hungry. We would re- Let's go back. We'd rather stayed in Egypt. We're just all going to die out here. They don't know how to trust God. They're in a spiritual wilderness. 
and a physical wilderness at the same time. They're in a spiritual wilderness and a physical wilderness where they can't see God and they don't know what's going on. And physically, they're literally in the desert, in the wilderness of sin, Scripture says. Lack of faith or trust over time leads us into a place where our spiritual wilderness kind of becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Where our spiritual wilderness becomes so overwhelming that it starts to creep into our physical wilderness as well. The Israelites had no idea how to walk with God. In order for them to wake up, they needed to see God in a real way. And so God put them in a position where they needed him physically so that they could trust him. For us today, I think so often we are trying to walk our lives out, but we are walking in a spiritual wilderness. Why? Because we don't know how to live in the presence of God. So often we're trying to do things on our own and we're not living in the presence of God. Let's continue on. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they will bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses said to Aaron and to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, not us, he's saying. Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then verse 9, Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he's heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. You see, the the Israelites needed something. They needed food. They needed provision of some way. But they got the way, they got the order wrong of how things should go. They got the order wrong. I was having coffee with Seth Lewis this week and uh, we were having conversations just about life and he was telling me about their Memorial Day weekend and he, he and his family had a conversation and he told me that somebody in his family said this. They were talking about God's activity in their life and somebody, and I, I don't remember who it was, said to him, so often I seek God's blessing instead of his presence. So often I seek God's blessing instead of his presence. And I went, that's what the Israelites were doing. 
They wanted God's blessing first before they found his presence. They wanted food first before they trusted God. God, give me some food, and then I'll trust you. Give me something that's going to satisfy me, and then I'm going to trust you. Instead of saying, God, we trust you, and then waiting on provision from him. How often in our lives do we go about our lives doing our own thing? where we're moving through life, trying to figure out what it looks like. And as we are walking, we are writing our own story. We are writing our own story, whether it be um, in, 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 in your career. God, I'm making, I'm making a wise choice here, God. This is right for me. It's going to provide for my family. It's going to lead me to upward advancement in the company and so on and so forth. So God, I think this is right for me. So come on board. Seeking God's blessing on a decision you're making before seeking his presence in that moment. Oh, God, there's this guy. I really like him. He's really cute. He goes to church all the time. He's a great guy. So I think we're just going to go all in. So will you bless that? Instead of seeking God first and asking him, for provision and guidance. See, when we were walking through life and we are writing our own story and when we are writing our own path and then asking God to join us on board for that, we are literally walking through a spiritual wilderness at that point because that is not the direction that God has for us. When we are saying, God, I want to do this thing, and this thing looks right for me. This is where I should be going because it just makes sense. It's all lining up, God. I know I haven't pricked prayed about this, but I'm just going to jump in and ask you to bless it. Our order's wrong, and we're stepping out into a spiritual wilderness. When we step out into a spiritual wilderness and we get deeper and deeper and deeper into it, our physical wilderness starts to show up. Stuff starts to happen. Consequences where we don't seek God in this decision, so we move in this way, and then that decision has a consequence over here in the physical world that calls us back to him. Our eyes open to that or not. Our physical and earthly problems are usually tied, usually tied to something going on spiritually where we are trying to write our own stories. Let's look at verse 13. Jump back to 12. At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So the presence of God shows up first. Then you're going to eat. Then you're going to know who I am and what I can do for you. So verse 13, in the evening quail came and covered the camp And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness like a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. 
And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Leave none of it over until the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And morning by morning they gathered it, as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. God provides for our physical needs. And it points us to a place where we can trust him more. Where we can trust him more. When we seek God's presence first in our lives, when we get the order right, and we see God's provision for us, God's blessing on our lives because we've sought his presence first, it draws us to a place where our spiritual wilderness becomes less and less and our spiritual joy and satisfaction in God becomes more and more. I was listening to, um, listening to a message this week from the Village Church in Dallas, Texas. One of the pastors there, his name is Travis Cunningham, was giving giving the message, and he had this illustration that kind of struck me, and, and it pointed me in a different direction with the illustration, but I'm just stealing it from him, so I wanted to give him a little bit of credit. The, the, uh, he was talking about going to a paint store. They were having a new daughter, and they were going to paint the room, and they picked the color, and they went up to the paint counter, and they said, this is the color we want. He's like, no problem. I got this. He types it into the computer. He grabs the base paint that's just white. There's nothing in it. It's pure. He sets it down, and they drop two drops of paint into it. Two little tiny drops of pigment. And then it puts it in the earthquake machine and the earthquake machine goes crazy for three or four minutes and it comes out and that paint is transformed. Every molecule in that paint is different. Those two drops, those two drops of color infuse the whole thing. And I can't help but to think of God's ultimate provision for us. His ultimate provision of Jesus on the cross. Where he said, seek my presence. I want to have a relationship with you. And you want to have a relationship with me. And the way I'm going to do that is my son is going to die. And he's going to bleed on the cross for you. And a couple of drops of his blood is all you need in your life. And then I'm going to take you and I'm going to shake you up. And when you come out, you're going to be new. Your life is going to be different. Every molecule of your life is going to be different. And you're going to look the way I created you to be. Not the story that you want to write for yourself, not the own direction that you want to go, but the way that I, God, made you to look. So when, the, when you paint the walls of your life, when you're going through your life, the color on the wall will reflect the way that I created you to be. And when I was thinking about this, I kept thinking about what it would look like if I let that paint sit for a while. Maybe when I said yes to God and God shook my life up and my life was totally changed and totally different and we went to the wall and we started painting the wall, it looked awesome the way God created me to look. But then I started to do my own thing again. I started to write my own story. I started to seek my own desires over what God had for me. And every time I would go to paint on that wall, that paint would get streaky. Because it's just sitting there. God's not shaking me anymore. He's not stirring up my life. 
If you ever go to use old paint that's been sitting on the, on the shelf for a long time, you've got to really go after it to get it mixed back in. And God is saying to us today in this story, I want to provide for you, but my provision isn't just, doesn't just come because you ask for it. It comes because you've sought me first. You've sought my presence. You've sought my will. You've sought my desire. And then my provision, my blessing comes on your life. And when we don't seek the presence of God, our paint is separating, our color is fading, and it doesn't look the way it should look. That doesn't mean that you don't have the blood of Jesus Christ covering your life. It does mean that. But what it means is it doesn't reflect it to the world the way that it could. And so God is calling us to a place where we seek him first instead of seeking him after. So often we hear stories of or have conversations where we just hear people say, you know what, God told me to do this. And the question is, did he really or did you step out on your own and then ask God to jump on your back and ride along with you? God told me to go do this thing, you know, and I just feel like God called me to it, and blah, 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 blah. Is that just us over-spiritualizing something? Or did we truly seek the presence of God first and then ask God, what's next for us? When we seek God's presence first and then his provision comes, his provision points us to a place where we can learn day after day after day how to live in relationship with him. Where we can learn day after day after day how to live in relationship with him. So often we try and do things on our own, but God is calling us to trust him. Let's look at verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came, to, came and told Moses, he said to him, them, this is what the Lord has commanded you. Tomorrow is a solemn, is solemn rest, a day of solemn rest, the holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that's left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning, as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink, and it had no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is Sabbath, there will be none. God's provision in our lives, when we've sought his presence and his provision and his blessings come into our lives, lead us to two things. Lead us to trust him. That when he asks us to do something, he says, here's my provision for you, but I'm going to ask you to trust me with it. Leads us to a place where we say, okay. The Israelites had to learn, I don't need to gather more than I'm going to eat. I don't need to gather more than I'm going to use. Because if I do, it's going to spoil, it's going to go bad, and then the next day I've got to trust God all over again. An ongoing story every day. I've got to start all new because this one has worms and maggots and it stinks really bad. I don't want to eat this bread. But instead I'm going to turn towards God and say, yes, God, I trust you with this. I'm going to eat what I need to eat and then I'm going to move on and trust you every day. And then on the sixth day, God says, gather twice as much as you normally gather. And trust me, this time it's not going to spoil overnight. Don't be gluttonous. Don't eat it all in one day. 
Don't gather more than you think you need. Just gather what you need and then trust me with it. Trust me with it. Only gather what's necessary. God is saying when we seek his presence, when we seek his presence first and then his provision comes in our life, we need to trust him. So often, I think what happens is we, we see God's presence, we see his provision on our lives, and we go, thanks God, I got it now. And we go off our own way. And pretty quickly, we, re- we realize that the provision that God gives us spoils. And it goes bad. And we're not trusting God in a real way. The second thing that when we seek God's presence and his provision comes into our life, that kind of Display, uh, displays for us is to trust him, but also to rest in him. This is where God sets up the idea of Sabbath. This is where it starts. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day you're not going to do anything. You're just going to rest in my presence. Rest in my presence. Why? Because I've provided for you and I want to have a relationship with you. So come and sit with me and hear from me as to what I have for you moving forward. Come and sit with me and rest with me. Not just physical rest, but spiritual rest. My presence is enough. I'm a fan of the television show, The West Wing. I was telling Olivia Welch about it this morning because I can't stop talking about it. I, I love that show. I've, I've loved it since it went on the air in like 1998. I watch it, all of it, seven seasons of it, at least once a year. It's just on. Yeah, Casey's on board. It's the West Wings, great television show. And in the pilot episode, the very last two words of the pilot episode are the catchphrase for the president. The president of the United States, his catchphrase is, What's next? What's next? He's always looking forward. What's next? And the last two words of the pilot is what's next. And when we come and we trust God to provide for us and we rest in God's presence, we can look to him and say, what's next, God? I can't wait to see what you're gonna do next. How you're gonna move in my life in the lives of the people around me in the lives of my family in the lives of my friends in the lives of my community. God, what's next? I'm trusting you. I'm sitting in your presence. I'm hearing from you. I'm asking you for, for, for provision in my life and not trying to do things on my own. And then resting and saying, what's next? And as we say yes to God and we see God come into our lives and his presence shows us up and we trust and we rest in him, God is taking the paint can of our life and stirring it up and making that color richer and richer and richer. And it's looking more and more like the way he created us. So as we move through our lives and we're painting the walls of our lives and people are coming alongside of us and going, look at how amazing our God is. Can you see that his guy's life? He's living a life that is glorifying the God of the universe. Not a, life, not a life that's glorifying himself, not a life that he is tagging on some spirituality on the, on the backside of his life. Instead, he's saying, no, God is first, 
And he is providing for me. And he is guiding me. And he is moving me forward. And therefore my life looks like in a way that is pointing to him and not to anything else. The paint is not separating. The color is not faded. It is pure and it is perfect the way that God created us. When we say yes to the presence of God and no to our own desires, God's provision comes. In the next couple of chapters, here we see it over and over again. In in chapter uh, 17, they get thirsty and they get angry all over again. And God's presence shows up and he says, look to me first and then comes provision. They, they get in the middle of a battle and they can't do it on their own. So God says, look at me first. I've got this. I have a plan for you. And they win. God's provision comes with his presence first. Not his blessing. His presence comes before provision or blessing. When God is moving in our lives in a real way, we can trust him and rest in him and look to him to see what is next for our lives. So here's the question for us today. Where are you? Are you wandering through a wilderness, whether spiritually or physically, where you you have physical needs that need to be met, whether that's financial or otherwise? Or maybe spiritually, you're just wandering through a wilderness because you've been trying to write your own story for so long. Where are you? It's a little self-check time. Because I'll be honest, for me, I've written my story a lot and said, oh, this is what God wants for me. And I've missed out on opportunity and joy and satisfaction. And I know it. Seek God's presence first. Build a relationship with him. Provision will come. Rest will come. Trust in him will come. And we see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus comes, the Son of God, the perfect Holy Savior, lives a perfect life, doesn't do anything wrong, but yet says, I'm willing to go to the cross for these people who are broken and gross and try and write their own stories all the time. Why? So that they can have an opportunity at the presence of God. So they can have a chance to have a relationship with my Father. And he dies on the cross so that we can live. That relationship should not be taken for granted. That relationship should not be tacked on after the fact while we're writing our own story and saying, oh, but Jesus is in this. No, his relationship is first. His presence is first. And then comes his blessings and provision. The title that I put on, the, on your guys' bulletin is Provision in the Wilderness, but I feel like it could be whatever it is for anybody. 
Your, your title for this story might be something else. It might be, stop writing my own story. Stop trying so hard. Look up and see God. So in this place today, we're going to worship here in a moment. The worship team's going to make their way up to the, to the stage, and we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. The, the, word, the song is, Give Me Faith. Give me faith to trust what you say. Give me faith to trust that your provision comes first, or that your presence comes first. Give me faith to trust that you have the right story in mind for me. My flesh is going to fail, but you won't. I'm going to screw up, but you won't. You know what the color of my life should look like. And so today I'm asking you, God, to shake me up. So that the color that is reflected on the walls of my life is the true image of how you created me. So today, as we worship, just think in your mind, what is the title of this scripture for me? Is it provision in the wilderness or is it something else? Think about how does this reflect on my own life? How do I sing this song from my own perspective? Where am I at today? What wilderness am I walking through? And then let's worship together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your love. And the fact that you hear us and you know us and you want what's best for us. And so often, God, I try and do things on my own. I try and move in my own direction. I try and finish the story. And I don't look to you first. I don't look to you first. Instead, I try and tack you on at the end, and that doesn't work. So God, today, in this place, I ask that you give me faith to trust you. That what you say is true. That I will get out of my own way and look up to you and let you stir up and shake up my life. So that your glory and your fame might be projected to the world around me. God, and for our people today, for our family today, I ask that you show up in a way that lets them know that you are there and you are present and you are willing to move in their lives. Help us to trust you more today. Help us to seek you first today. Help us to know you deeper today. We've got just a few minutes this morning before we're done. Just a few minutes before we leave this place and we have a decision to make. Where are we going to look? 
The moment we walk out of these doors, the moment we go get our children and head out to go to lunch or whatever family thing we got going on or craziness that comes in our lives over this next week, we have a decision to make. Where are our eyes looking? Our eyes looking in our own selfish direction where we want our lives to go or are we focused on the presence of God in our lives? So that we're either walking through a spiritual wilderness or a physical wilderness and where are our eyes looking? We have a decision to make. And we just saying, my flesh is going to fail, but you never will, God. The question is, do we believe it? Because I know I leave this place and I fail and I don't trust God at times. And I need to. And I don't do, I don't seek his presence first. And I should. Just honesty here. So we have a decision to make. What do we seek? Do we seek our own selfish desires or do we seek his presence? Do we really want our lives to be shaken up in such a way that we've, we've been changed? I believe God wants that for us. I believe God's presence in our lives is worth it is worth risking the chance that God's going to ask us to do something that's uncomfortable. That God's going to take us to a place that's going to challenge us, that's going to make it hard, that life isn't going to look the way we want it to look. We might not get to retire. He might send us to Africa, maybe, if your last name is the Myricks. Right? But when we seek the presence of God first, Oh, what a story we get to tell. Oh, what a story the walls of our lives tell. When our life gets shaken up by God and every piece of us gets changed. Let that be where you look today. Let that be where your heart is desiring today. 